We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson for the first time in two weeks. We, we took Thanksgiving Day off. I think we earned that right. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I had a pretty low-key one hanging out in Green Bay. Uh, but we really don't want to get into that. Personally, I don't really care all that much how your Thanksgiving was. And I know for a fact you don't care at all about how mine was. Uh, so we'll get right to basketball. Today is Jordan Farmar's birthday. <laughs> Two-time NBA champion, Jordan Farmer. How old do you think he is? 33. Close. 31. So in the, right in the middle of his prime, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he must be kind of at the very tail end of his yeah, prime. Yeah, he's kind of in that zone now, um, <laughs> that sweet spot for a guy like him where a couple of injuries pop up, the Nets need a point guard in mid-March, and then you kind of forget about him, and then you look, and it's all of a sudden he's made like three straight All-Star games in China. Um, so I think I would take the over on like six games played in the NBA this season for Jordan Farmar. Uh, but I wanted to shout him out. He was one of my all-time favorite college players, had great, great hair, really kind of before his time in terms of loading up with gel when he was at UCLA. Um, let's get to OKC right away. I didn't really watch any of this game, uh, unfortunately. There were a ton of games last night, none of which were on cable television for some reason. Could I have streamed them on League Pass? 
you know, who's to say? Yes. But uh, I did not see any of Thunder Magic. I was a little bit appalled to see the score when I got home last night. 121-108 in favor of the Orlando Magic, who I talked about with Alex Barutha on Tuesday's pod. We're in a complete free fall, basically, until this game. Uh, But Aaron Gordon, 40 points, 15 rebounds, uh, hit a bunch of threes. He was kind of back on track. But obviously the bigger story now is that OKC has dropped five of its last six. They had that big win over Golden State uh, last week. But other than that, you got losses in in San Antonio, in New Orleans, not terrible. Uh, But the last three, home, home against Detroit, at Dallas, and at Orlando. So... I think it was Royce Young who who covers the Thunder for for ESPN. Uh, used to write for Daily Thunder that said, you know, there's been multiple times this season where I keep thinking this is the lowest point of the year. They've hit rock bottom. Now they'll start to turn it around, almost in the way that I think Cavs fans were looking at the Cavs for the first month of the year, and and they've obviously ascended. But it seems like things keep getting lower and lower. The loss to Dallas was bad. They only scored 81 points, uh, and then to turn around and lose to to Orlando in the way that they did. I mean, what what is there even to say about Oklahoma City right now? I think a lot of the people who thought that the Carmelo Anthony trade might have actually made him slightly worse were right. I don't. I just don't think he fits at all. I thought the Paul George Russell Westbrook pairing would have been great, uh, but I mean, Carmelo is just kind of a delusional player at this point in his career in terms of how much he expects the ball and how many shots he expects to be getting. Uh, if you look at their wins, they beat the Knicks, the Pacers, the Bulls, the Bucks, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Bulls again, and the Warriors. So take out that Warriors win, and all of their wins are against yeah. pretty bad teams and some of the worst teams in the league, actually. So I think it's kind of clear that their style just does not work against good teams with good defenses because it's so predictable in, in today's game. Yeah, I forget who tweeted it last night, but someone after the loss said, you know, this reminds me of a quote from, I think it was Terry Stotts, when, uh, you know, OKC played in Portland about a month ago already and lost that game. And afterward, you know, somebody asked Terry Stotts about, it sounded like basically, the, you know, this new look OKC team, how do you defend them? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to call out Carmelo Anthony or anything, but this team, when you're scheming for them, it's very obvious that they have four good defenders and one bad defender. So I, I don't necessarily think Melo's hurting them offensively. I mean, he's been fine. He's been about what you expect. Um, and I think there is some, there's something to be said for, you know, the adversity, I guess, if you want to call it that, for an 8-12 and 12 team. They're 20 games in, and, you know, there hasn't been any feuding, at least publicly, between any of these stars. Melo's not publicly saying he needs more shots in the clutch. Paul George isn't saying anything. So I think they still believe that, you know, they're working out this process. But, um I mean, we're going to talk about things we were wrong about in a little bit um, so far this season. And I mean, one of them for me is going to be, I, I did not think that Oklahoma City would take this long to coalesce. Yeah, I really wish I'd had the uh, fortitude to kind of go out on a limb before the season and and predict that they would because I, I don't like the way Russell Westbrook plays. I don't really like the way Carmelo Anthony plays. So like that would have been a camp that I would have been very at home in. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see it coming either just because like, even with, I mean, we knew Carmelo Anthony was a terrible defender, uh, but 
you know, I thought they'd be getting yeah, who a, saw this coming. I thought they'd be getting a lot more out of Patrick Patterson, who's basically done nothing for them. He's been hurt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, from what it sounds like, he's kind of a shell of himself with that knee issue. And then, I mean, Steven Adams, when I've seen them play, has honestly looked like one of the best players on the court at all times. Like he, he's having a great year. Uh, well, but, look at Robertson. I mean, right. just when you thought someone couldn't get any worse offensively, you know, I mean, you, he's he's good on D, but he's he's absolutely killing their spacing when he's out there, especially when, you know, Steven Adams can't really shoot it. Right. You need, I mean, Russell Westbrook can't really shoot it. Like, he shoots <laughs> right. he shoots it a lot. He but can he, like, shoot it. Uh, when you have the Westbrook, you know, they're, they're starting five out there. Carmelo and Paul George are the only above-average floor stretchers. So you can just kind of... Yeah, you leave Robertson, uh, you dare Westbrook to shoot, you kind of, you know, take care of George and Anthony. I mean, it's pretty easy. Like, I think that, you know, among the teams in the NBA that we probably still project to make the playoffs, they're probably the easiest to scheme for. Yeah, I I think we're still seeing, you know, the, the biggest number that people keep bringing up, you know, is how bad they've been in the clutch. Um, you know, you look at basketball reference has an expected win-loss record, and Usually, especially if you look at this over the course of 82 games, typically it's within three wins, three losses either way. You know, it kind of takes a look at how clutch possessions have gone, kind of fluky type of things. And right now, OKC is 8-12. and Their expected win-loss is 12-8. and For this time in the season, that's a huge, huge swing. So, you know, they've had a lot of close losses. They're clearly still figuring out how to distribute the ball in the clutch. And... I think I get. I guess you can kind of look at that as a positive and say, you know, a lot of these games could have gone either way. You know, we play them out again later in the year. Maybe they go our way. Um, I don't think anyone's panicking about OKC, which is nice, um, partially because they have these two new guys. But I think, I mean, right now they don't look anything like a team that you would fear, you know, come May, right? You know, if you're if you're Houston facing this team in round two, this probably looks like Rockets in five, Rockets in four. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would take, I would take Houston to sweep them. I would take a full strength Spurs to sweep them. I, would I think ob- the Warriors I would are ob- better. I would obviously, <laughs> I think I would take. Uh, I don't even think the the Warriors would need one of like they could just have Steph or just have Durant, and I think they'd still sweep them. Uh, it's just they're the fact that they're getting this exposed in the regular season. Like I think everyone kind of knew that they would. Th- their style just is not going to work in the postseason. Russ Russell Westbrook's current style just is not going to work in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But like you would have thought, they would have gotten to fifty wins just based on their high their their top talent. So uh, definitely not a good sign. And if they end up having to you know be the sixth seed or something like that, then it could be uh, one and out for them. Right. Um, so we won't spend too much time on Memphis just because that's been covered so extensively since David Fisdale was let go uh but the Grizzlies lose their first game uh without David Fisdale last night and I I mean long term wise it's not like with whether you have Fisdale or not this franchise wasn't exactly in the greatest spot with so much money committed to a soon-to-be 33-year-old in Marcus Gasol and a player in Mike Conley who's never made an all-star team is a very good player uh, but is currently a player who's dealt and is currently dealing with Achilles issues, you know, for on and off for the last couple of years. Not a young guy in his own right. Um, you know, I saw I think it was on on the 
I don't even know what it's called. Whatever ESPN's basketball podcast is called now. It's somebody you compare them to the Kings. And that seems a little drastic uh, because um, those teams have been really couldn't be any more opposite in terms of playoff bursts in the last decade and a half. But if if and when Gasol moves on at some point, if and when Conley moves on, you know, where do you pivot to? You have a couple nice young pieces by you know, by Grizzlies standards. And by that, I mean, you know, Dylan Brooks and Wayne Selden and James Ennis, you know, guys who are probably better than anybody expected they would be. But also nobody is calling any of those guys like potential you would you know, take like three player going forward. You would take on one of those guys as like your eighth man. Maybe. Right. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, don't like they, all, you don't want all three of them. Yeah. Being it's like, like based on where, in your rotation. Exactly. Based <laughs> on what you'd expect to get from Dylan Brooks, he's been great. Yeah. But you can't expect Dylan Brooks to just, dis- you know, you're not grooming Dylan Brooks to be your second best player in two right. years. Um, uh, they're in a tough spot. Well, can they even pivot out of this? I mean, I think, I think you could get something uh, from Mike Conley. And probably I'm not even sure you could get, I think, I mean, is, is Marcus Saul's contract seen like viewed as a, something you want at this point? I mean, he's not the same defender he used to be, uh, when he's, when he's not a defensive force, he's yeah. just kind of a guy. I mean, I know he shoots threes now. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see either of those guys as something that you could flip and bring back. I mean, I think you'd get something decent for Conley, but you're not getting like a unprotected lottery pick. You're not getting anything like that. So how do you even go about Mm -hmm. picking up the pieces from here? It's it's pretty complicated. Right. I think, you know, a team that's somewhat similar that we've talked about in the same vein is like New Orleans, you know, who's kind of spinning the wheels always on the on the border of the playoffs in the West, but never really a contender like. Memphis clearly has no asset on the level of Anthony Davis and not that New Orleans wants to trade Anthony Davis, but if they wanted to, that's your free pass to like a reset for the franchise and what Davis could bring back in the form of picks in the form of young players would actually allow you to reboot your franchise Mm -hmm. and you can get something good back for Marcus all, but you're not going to get the type of pieces that can get your fan base excited for a rebuild. I'd like to hope, I'd like to think that before they fired Fisdale, they at least kind of just gauge the market on what they could get for a surprise deal for Gasol. I mean, that's when you're going to get the most return is when people don't know he's available until you mm-hmm. just kind of say, hey, like, yes or no right now, like Marcus Gasol for like this unprotected pick or whatever. Uh, I hope that they kind of explored that because, yeah, I, I don't think being a coach killer is going to help your trade value. And, and I think that I mean, tough he, to say. he basically, like, <laughs> from what I gather, like, was not digging the fact that Fisdale wanted to kind of modernize their offensive exactly. approach. And so, like, do you even want a guy who's that sort of set in his sort of old school right. playing That's style? That's what I'm saying. Like, I especially mean, if you're trading for this guy midseason and you have 25 yeah. games to coalesce and get everything ready before the playoffs. You know, I don't think this helps your belief that you'd be able to do that. I mean, where just hypothetically, where would it even make sense for Marcus All to go? If we're not oh, worried all that much about money, like I mean, I think you know a team like the Bucks could definitely use him. Um, Spurs, the Celtics could use him theoretically. Uh, I mean, could the Spurs use him? I guess I guess they kind of could. Um, I mean, they <laughs> reunite him with get both Casals, right? Both Casals and Lamarcus Aldridge. Yep. Uh, the dream front court. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it seems like he got really old really fast. Right. And his, he's still an elite center. You know, his numbers haven't been all that good this year. Percentages have been down since Conley went out. But it does feel like he jumped from being 29 to like 33 really quickly. I mean, he might, you know, if you could get him on the Wizards and like kind of just upgrade the Gortat spot. I mean, maybe that makes them finals contenders. Uh, but he, you, you look at Marcus Gasol and you look at a guy where it's very easy to predict that he will not age well at all. Like, you know, as soon as he kind of loses what little athleticism he had, he's just kind of uh, a tree at that point. I mean, you're, yes. it, it's not, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to protect the rim the same way. Um, he's just not going to be able to run up and down that much. Uh, I mean, are there teams in the NBA that are in worse long-term positions than the Grizzlies? Like, are they in the worst position Ooh. in the entire league? And if you're just kind of projecting question. when when can this team reasonably be competitive mm-hmm. again? If you're talking teams, you know, with the fewest young assets, like under 25, they're certainly in the bottom three or four. I mean, um, do they have... Who's got better assets out of them in the Nets? I mean, is D'Angelo Russell better than like their entire, yeah, like chest of assets? So yeah, I mean, if you're not counting Conley and Gasol, for sure, right? I mean, well, even if close. you were, even if you were counting them, like if you could, you turn Conley and Gasol into a better situation than what the Nets currently have. I think so. Yeah, I mean, if you if you theoretically traded each of those guys, you know, at the deadline this year in separate deals, yeah, probably. I mean, you you could do better than that, but that would be like an unprecedented thing for especially this franchise to do. Um, are they in, if you factor out just the fact that the Clippers are in LA and that might be able to lure free agents, are they in worse shape than the Clippers long-term? I don't think so. I mean, the Clippers have DeAndre, who's, whose trade value is as high as Gasol's, if not higher, because he's younger. Yeah. I think you'd and get... And Blake. You'd, I mean, yeah, Blake's get, the same situation in some ways. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know if you could trade like right now without having to yeah be the one taking something bad back like, right yeah the injuries kind of complicate things there i mean they i mean you look at the bottom feeders in each conference and you know chicago certainly doesn't have any like a plus assets but yeah you have levine you have marking in denzel valentine's actually looked pretty good this year phoenix has booker sacramento has fox dallas has smith like memphis and it's right now, good. Memphis is in that category. Memphis has fewer wins than the Phoenix Suns this year. Yeah. Um, and they don't, you know, obviously they're, they've had some injuries that have caused that, but they don't, have, they don't have that mix of good veteran talent and youth where you can kind of choose either path. Like right now, you have to trade that veteran talent to get to the, to the youthful path. Whereas, like, you know, teams like Phoenix and, you know, even trying to think of it, like, you know, the Knicks last year, for example, were kind of in that spot where it was like, do we ride it out with Melo? Do we switch to the youth? Like, Right now, Memphis doesn't even have that option. Not good. Not Not great. uh, No. uh, Not a good time to be a Memphis Grizzlies. No, certainly not. Um, Did you catch... I know you were at the zoo last night, um, so I'm going to guess no, but did did you catch the box score even from the Sixers Wizards game and see how many free throws Ben Simmons took? I saw a headline today about how he is not going to let hack a Ben be a thing for much longer, but I did not see the cause of that quote. Um, well, he took 29 free throws, which initially when I saw that, I was like, wow, geez, I mean, he must've just been really, <laughs> really aggressive. Uh, 20 of those, I believe came in the fourth quarter, possibly even more, honestly, it might've been uh, over 20. 
Uh, they went just full hacka. The Wizards were down like 17 or 18 early in the quarter, got it down to three or four, uh, and Simmons basically made just enough uh, <laughs> to keep them afloat. And I mean, do you do you stand like after the game? Reporters obviously asked him about this, and he was just straight faced, like, "No, I wasn't coming out. You know, I never considered coming out. I never considered you know trying to avoid the fouls, uh, which I respect in some ways, but." I did think it was a little odd that Brett Brown didn't even really seem to think about taking him out at any point because their lead was very clearly dwindling. I think you that's a situation you just kind of ride out and use it as sort of a teaching moment. Like, yeah, like, dude, you got to get better at shooting free throws. Right, like yeah. they're, they're hacking you like you are uh, a huge center that's shooting 40 percent like you're a point guard. Yeah, um, well, that's what's kind of unprecedented about right, it. There's yeah. never been like a hack a point guard. I mean, it, he was unprecedented though, and just the type of point guard he is in the first yeah, place, right. though. So, I mean, it it, it definitely makes sense uh, how you'd get to this point. But uh, I like, where do you see him like two or three years from now? Do you do you see him in like sixty five percent from the line? Like seventy? I think he'll be better, right? I mean, the thing you watch him shoot, and it looks pretty bad as far his elbow mm-hmm. is you know 45 degrees out from mm-hmm. his from his body which is not what you want. I mean anyone who shot a basketball knows that and mm-hmm. and so in that regard it makes me think it's it'd be somewhat of an easy thing to fix you know it's not like he's out there like Shaq or Dwight where like mm-hmm. the ball looks like it's way too small for his hand and he's just kind of tossing it up there like the process of the shot looks okay it's, it just seems like it's a hand and elbow position type of issue you know people have suggested maybe he needs to switch hands that to me seems pretty drastic. Um, although, I mean, a lot of these guys are basically ambidextrous, and you know, there might just be a slight difference from one to the other. Who knows? But I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's never going to be like an eighty yeah, percent free throw shooter. I, but I, he can get closer to seventy. I think like the two names that come to mind in terms of guys that just came in pretty bad and got to the point where they were still not great but okay are like Blake Griffin and Tim Duncan. Like mm-hmm. where I can't remember what they came in at but I remember Tim Duncan like I think might have started in the 50s and eventually got to like the high 60s and then like Blake Griffin I think maybe started in the 60s and got into the 70s I think it's certainly I'd I'd be surprised if he didn't make that kind of an improvement yeah I think Blake is a really good comparison for this I mean Blake was through his first three NBA seasons which was a sample of about 230 games he was a 61 percent shooter and these last two years he's been around 77 percent so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be super worried about this. I mean, and, and with Simmons, like all you have to do is get to the point where teams can't do this to you. Right. And and well, basically, what that means is you have to shoot sixty percent because then you start doing the points per possession calculation. I mean, but he's gonna he's also just gonna be getting to the line so much naturally right. that you need to get better. Just I mean, him him going from being like a sixty percent free throw shooter to a seventy five percent free throw shooter gets him like four more points a game. Yeah, you know? or like not not four more. And like I think the other thing too that I've heard is you don't want him to have this thing in the back of his mind where he doesn't want to get right. into the lane like or he's Rajon Rondo. Right. Where he's, he's avoid, he's literally avoiding going to the line because he knows he's going to miss him. And that's, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of factors at play, but yeah, long term, I wouldn't really worry too much about it. Um, Oh, real quickly. I, Alex brought this up on Tuesday's pod. Who starts the all-star game at center Porzingis or Embiid? Two of the, two of the guys that when you talk about fan votes, are maybe one and two in the league for how enthusiastic people are going to come out and vote uh, for these guys. I think Porzingis. I think that you just get that New York support. Uh, 
I think he might get more Embiid, like slightly more Embiid support nationally, uh, but I think it'll be close there too. I just think that the New York thing kind of put, mm-hmm. pushes it over the top, and uh, and you're not going to see. Uh, I mean, Embiid, like when he's on, he's as dominant as anyone, but he's kind of been more up and down, whereas Porzingis has just been extremely consistently awesome all season. Yeah, I mean they'll both be there certainly, and I think I think Drummond is becoming almost a lock which as weird as that is to say and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get to that um all right last thing before we talk about things we were wrong about houston's number one in the west right now golden state was a really bad brandon ingram possession at the end of that game last night away uh from losing again at full strength to the lakers they're 16 and 6 houston 17 and 4 how big is the gap still between Golden State and Houston. Like, I'm not ready to say Houston's better than Golden State or is even, you know, even with Golden State, but I do feel like it's it's narrowed at least compared to last year. Uh I don't think I I still think it's huge in the postseason. I don't I I think it's pretty clear that the Warriors are they have they've this dynasty or at least in this current iteration like has not ever really had a coasting period and now they're finally yeah. entering it like you have you know, Durant and Curry have been missing time uh, throughout this kind of bad stretch. I mean, Draymond Green's not really playing with the same sort of consistent intensity. So I think you get these two teams together in a postseason matchup, and I'd I'd be surprised if the Rockets won more than one or two games in that series. Yeah, and Steve Kerr said earlier this week that he basically what you just said. He's like, yeah, we're firmly in coasting mode. Like, he's fine. He's trying to find ways to motivate these guys. Um so I, I mean I don't think there's any inter- internal panic whatsoever. It's it's uh I wouldn't say the coaching staff's coasting, but they're trying not stuff the coach, with the players. I think I know no I know, but I mean like I'm saying the coaching staff they're not playing, they're not doing everything in their power with the rotations to no, win no, every no. game. Like they're not, like Kerr's experimenting right. with like different. Kavon uh, Looney was playing minutes right. at the I mean, end of that game. It's right. not yeah, they they're not in like full on let's win all these games type no. of mode. Like I think they'd be totally fine winning like mm-hmm. sixty games, getting the one or two seed and and that'd be that. I think your Draymond point is interesting. I think he's better than ever defensively. Um I mean he's unbelievable to watch. On he's that the end. best defensive he's, player in the league, and then I don't even right. know how close it is. You can yeah, I mean you can argue Kawhi if you want, but just versatility wise. Like Kawhi can't guard the post I don't even like Draymond know if, guards the post. I, like I don't even know if there's a huge gap in terms of like I'd rather have Kawhi on a dominant like shooting guard. Right. But if you're talking about like a guy like LeBron or just, you know, a guy like Giannis or one of those bigger Paul George, one of those types of guys, I don't even think there's a huge gap between their perimeter defense and the fact that Draymond Green can protect the rim. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. Draymond does it at about one inch shorter and what, thirty pounds heavier? <laughs> they list Draymond is listed at six seven two thirty, which uh, there is no uh, way that guy is two hundred thirty pounds. Is he only six seven? Yeah, I think six seven might even be generous. To be honest, I just think I think he's he's got to be closer to what two forty two fifty. I don't know. I remember I mean, Tracy McGrady was always listed at six eight two ten. You're telling me Draymond <laughs> Green's only twenty pounds heavier than T Mac? I don't I don't know about that. We'll see. Will we? I mean, we do, we have a, do we have a weigh-in coming we'll, up? We'll see. Well, we'll time, see at the time, annual time the will, annual NBA weigh-in. Time will tell. Um, but Draymond <laughs> Draymond's not a very good three-point shooter anymore. He was never all that good, but the year that they won seventy-three games, he was a thirty-nine percent three-point shooter, and that that was a huge, huge weapon for them. And it's not like their offense has suffered uh, because they had Kevin Durant, but Draymond not really being a guy that you have to worry all that much about from three is 
if you really want to nitpick and find a weakness in that offense, I think that's it. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm with you. I think Houston's going to look really good. Like, would it shock you if Houston's the best regular season team in the West? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if they got the one seed because right. I think. I mean, it would be like Boston, Cleveland last year in a lot of ways. I mean, Harden is just. I feel like he thinks he should have like a couple MVPs at this point, and I think a lot of guys think that. <laughs> and like, I think if he if they go get the one seed, even though I'm. I'm still in like the LeBron James should win MVP camp. Uh, I think Welcome. the narrative is going to be there that just pushes Harden over the top this year. So like the Rockets, at least their best player has something legitimate to play for. Like the Warriors, all they want to do is be healthy going mm-hmm. into the playoffs. Like they they've right. kind of proven everything they can over the past three seasons. I, yeah, I think they want to avoid that. What was it? When was it like? February, March, Durant leg injury situation, mm-hmm. and obviously it ended up working out fine, but they don't want even want to be in that situation again. Let's take a quick break, James, so I can tell the listeners about FanDuel. The NBA is back, which means FanDuel is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of contests to choose from starting at just $1. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, you can sign up at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first FanDuel deposit. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW. Again, fanduel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, things we were wrong about so far now that we're 20 to 23 games in depending on which team we're talking about i already mentioned okc uh we won't talk about that again but i was i I thought they would come together more quickly um i thought paul george would kind of just slide into that durant role a little bit more cleanly and he's been good to his credit i mean i think i think this is kind of more about russ figuring out how to play with those guys and them figuring out how to get more out of that bench than it is anything else but i think i was wrong about the knicks and I'm not saying that the Knicks are all that good. Uh, they've had some pretty bad losses, but they've also had some nice wins. I did not think that they would be sitting in the eight seed right now, you know, even even as they're only 21 games in. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly didn't even think that much about the Knicks before the season. They were just kind of a team where I was just like, who cares? Like, Porzingis is going to have a good year mm-hmm. stats-wise. They're probably going to finish with, like, a bottom seven or eight record. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they – I think – you know, a guy like Courtney Lee's having a, a really nice year. Hardaway's been good. Um, and Porzingis has been much better than I thought he would be. Yeah, he's been more consistent. Like, I I knew there was there were going to be stretches this season where he was just kind of the talk of the league because he's he's a special young player, but he's been, you know, as consistent as you want your star to be. Uh, I think, I mean, it's it's funny that you started with the Thunder and went to the Knicks. I mean, there's there's definitely a a cabin link there between those two and, and one overperforming. Right, Raymond Felton being the Thunder one, one East for the um, Yeah, that's that's one that I was wrong about. Uh, I was wrong about pretty much everything to do with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I thought that they might kind of head into sort of tank mode this season. I didn't really see Andre Drummond as a net positive coming into the year like I thought he was a guy that if you tried to trade him I think people would be surprised like how little you'd get back and now all of a sudden 
like you said, Drummond's basically a lock to make the all-star game. He's playing better on defense. He's making more free throws. Really didn't think I'd be saying any of those things. So, uh, you know, I'm, I was dead wrong about the Pistons. I also have the Pistons on my list. I, I know we both talked about how they underachieved last year, so maybe this shouldn't be all that much of a surprise, but the way it's happening, yeah, I mean, Drummond being the catalyst and just handing out like four and a half assists a game for a guy who really didn't show much semblance of wanting to pass I or being a good well, passer before I didn't know year. he was the type of guy that you could even think about running like as a high post distributor. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and that's what they're doing this year and it's obviously working great right. I, I just didn't think he had the the capability to do that i mean his career trajectory over the last like two and a half years has gone because two years ago he had that crazy first two months he was averaging almost like 20 and 20 mm-hmm. and then last year you know his value like you said like, i think people would have been shocked how little he was valued around the league and now he's kind of back up to where he was and i mean what is drummond 20 22 23 he's still really really young for how long He's twenty. He's twenty-four. So never mind. He's not young at all. Uh, but for what he is, like all of a sudden, he's just, his his value <laughs> as an asset is is wild. And you know, I said to you earlier, I think he's he's going to be an all-star pretty easily, especially if Detroit is still a top two or top three team uh, come February. Uh, I have the Warriors on my list because I did think that they would maybe and maybe not even have to like consciously go after it, but I thought they would just be so good that they might approach. 74 wins yeah, and it's I, pretty clear that that's not going to happen they they were definitely on my list i i thought they could coast to 70 right exactly and, and that's like, not been I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me they were coasting i just would have thought it they would still be winning mm-hmm. pretty much every game uh i mean they're still amazing they're still the best team in the league i think uh but yeah they're, they're surprising it's it's surprising that it's even a debate as to whether they're going to get the one seed. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. And I think part of that is due to the fact that most of these teams at the bottom, you know, with the exception of Atlanta, Chicago, and maybe Sacramento, although the Kings did just beat Golden State without Curry and Durant, like there's there's not as many like really really bad teams where I think it's a little bit harder to coast and you know and just win a game going seventy percent this year than it was the last couple of years. Do you agree with that? Yes, and I think, I think the uh, stretched out schedule yes. actually kind of makes goes. It lends itself to more parity, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. So, what's your next one? Uh, the Celtics. I after Gordon Hayward went down, I thought that they were going to be about a I don't know forty three forty four win team. Uh, was obviously quite wrong about that yeah they only have 18 wins geez (laughs) way few (laughs) um i didn't i and i was wrong about jason tatum being uh the best rookie from this class at least so far uh i thought he might be the like fifth best rookie in this class and he's been a lot better than i thought he's shooting it a lot better than i thought he's brad stevens has him playing pretty solid defense jalen brown has gotten a lot better a lot quicker than I thought he would. Uh, you know, if, if I knew that those two guys were going to be as good as they've been, then this wouldn't be that mm-hmm. surprising to me. But I just thought without Hayward, they were going to really kind of go through some growing pains with those guys. I want to say it was Windhorst who, who earlier this week said that when the Cavs and the, and the Celtics, you know, when it became clear that that deal was going to happen and Kyrie was going to go to Boston, that Cleveland had no interest whatsoever in Jalen Brown. 
and they were all about getting Crowder or Tatum or the you know and or the Brooklyn pick. Obviously, they got two of those three. Uh, but don't you think they wish they maybe would have gotten Jalen Brown instead of Jay Crowder or even instead of the Brooklyn pick? Mm, not instead of the Brooklyn okay. pick, but yeah. I I think I mean would would Boston really have walked away from that deal if it was just Brown and the Brooklyn pick? Well, I mean Isaiah too, or, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I th- I'm saying I think that. I mean, oh, I don't. No, we don't know what Boston would have done, right, but it but just like, says a lot that Cleveland like, didn't. You should have. That should have been part of the tactic was to get the Brooklyn pick and Jalen Brown. Right, but I'm saying Isaiah Cleveland Thomas. didn't even want Jalen. I know. Brown, no, they I didn't know. think he was good. Um, well, they didn't think that he was going to help them win a title this year. I think is right. probably the calculus. Sure, yeah. Like, I mean, they. You could you could think he'd develop into a fine player, but mm-hmm. if you don't think that he makes this team a lot better, and I mean this is probably your last year with LeBron, so I get it. But yeah, I mean long term, if they had Jalen Brown and that Brooklyn pick, then that gives you something to kind of build for. Uh, but that was that was a swing and a miss. But I, I mean I don't think anyone thought Brown was this good, other than maybe the Celtics. No, I think that's true. Um, I mean, watched him a little bit in summer league, and he looked really good there. But I didn't really take anything well, from a that second year guy. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, but he was like <laughs> he looked really, really good. But even then, it's like, well, the name Josh Selby always comes to mind, and then I throw that out. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown for as good as Tatum has been, like I'm, I'm just as impressed with the leap that Brown has made. Yeah, they're they're fully stocked. They're they're going to be good for a long yeah. time. I mean, next year, they they probably find a way to add another intriguing piece whether it's well they have that was it the king's pick or something that, that one could with all the, weird the six pr- from the full sections yeah um yeah so i mean that they could add another good young piece with that pick they could trade that pick i mean like i think a lot of people have long thought that anthony davis might end up there if the mm-hmm. pelicans ever decided to tear things down um but yeah i mean just going into next year with this team plus gordon hayward i mean they're gonna be I think probably projected to win 60 games. So obviously Boston has had this trove of assets since the Brooklyn trade, but 2019, they have the Clippers pick, which is lottery protected uh, in 2019 and 2020. So we'll see. I mean, it's impossible to predict where the Clippers are going to be at next June. Uh, Not looking great. Yeah. So basically the Clippers have no incentive to be a lottery team in 2019 or 2020. And maybe even more interestingly, the Celtics own the Memphis Grizzlies pick in 2019. That's only top eight protected. And then it's only top six protected in 2020. And unlike the Clippers pick, which turns in to uh, a second round pick, if it doesn't convey by 2020, that Memphis pick becomes unprotected completely in 2021. So that's something to consider with Memphis is if you bottom out, you better really bottom out and be a bottom eight team in 2019. Otherwise that you don't even get a pick. Right. Uh, I mean, you got to protect your picks. Got like it. You just got it. That's that's GMing 101 right now because I mean an unprotected pick, even in just like the span of two or three months, can look so much different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean a Clipper like say if if a team had like the Clippers unprotected unprotected pick for next season, like you go from thinking that might be low twenties, high teens to yep. holy crap that might be a top five pick. So. Uh, that's that's pretty wild. Right. Um, well, I mean, in, speaking of the Clippers, wasn't that wasn't the Kyrie pick the Clippers pick initially? I think that was the deal that they gave Cleveland in the Mo Williams Baron Davis trade. 
and then it ended up jumping up to number one in the yeah. lottery because they had they had Tristan and Kyrie in the same draft, so one of them wasn't their pick. Yes, uh, protect your picks, kids. Right, you got to protect those picks. Wrap them up. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. What else do I got here? Uh, I have Brandon Ingram on my list. He's been way better than I thought. He's still aesthetically, he's not any better. He still really has a lot of like brick, badly brick jump shots, and that was again the case last night. Although. Uh, last night was probably his best game of the year. I mean, 32 uh, was his highest point total, at least, although he did have seven turnovers, five fouls. Um, but he was he was going at Durant, played 44 minutes. They It was kind of a, a nice back and forth, although in crunch time, some questionable shots from Brandon Ingram. But overall, he is better than I thought he would be. I wouldn't say I was out on Brandon Ingram coming into this year, but I was very, very worried. And I think the fact that he's at least trending in the right direction kind of changes things for the Lakers quite a bit. Yeah. I think that they, I mean, I, I was, I was never out on him. Um, I'm happy that he turned things around because I, I was a huge Ingram guy coming out of college. Uh, I mean, I think it, you could make an argument that, I mean, it sucks that D'Angelo Russell got hurt, but like, it wouldn't be that surprising if he'd stayed healthy, if we were saying, well, the Lakers actually hit on both those picks, and yep. now they only have one of them because they had to get rid of that Moscow deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I i mean, I was wrong about the Clippers, but a lot of that's injury-related, but I should have probably cooked in a bit more downside to how uh, high I was on them coming, in, coming into the year. Um, you know, I think the the Bucks aren't as good as I thought they'd be, Uh I want to blame a lot of that on Jason Kidd, but they just, I don't know. They, the, you know, the rotations have been pretty bad. Um, They've been very questionable. Gary Payton starting, for example. <laughs> like, Liggins and Payton should not be seeing much well, playing Don't time. bring DeAndre Liggins into this. <laughs> Come on. Um, I like DeAndre Liggins. All right, you got to talk about something else because I have to figure. Well, out what, what I do need is, to talk about is that Brandon Ingram's nickname on Basketball Reference is Tiny Dog. Mm-hmm. Would you, if you were just watching a game and someone was like, "Oh, and then there goes Tiny Dog," would you know who they were talking about? And would Brandon Ingram be like your first guess, or your second, or third, or fourth guess? No. Where um, do they? They need to start citing the sources on these. They're getting you, ridiculous. Do you remember the nickname that I Snapchatted you a picture of a couple of days ago? Uh, for Ingram? No, uh, for a different player. No, I don't. Uh, Remind me. Trey Lyles' nickname is Trey Mamba. That I've actually heard, yeah. Have you? <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. That's absurd. Yeah. Ingram, the the one <laughs> nickname that I do like, and I forget, this was a, this was like last season, I remember seeing this somewhere, like someone called him RBF, uh, Resting Baked Face, <laughs> which, which I think was very applicable. Did he, did he take that title from T-Mac? I think, well, oh, T-Mac's on, on basketball reference, other than obviously T-Mac, was the big sleep. The big sleep. Which no one ever called him, but I think would have been pretty fitting. Yes. Uh, I don't have anything else on my list. We, I nailed everything else. These are the only th- four things I was wrong about. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to get more like individual players, not just teams. Yeah, no, Because there's, there's still so many teams that we don't really know. Uh, I guess I could say I'm... I didn't... I mean, the, the Pelicans have about as many wins as I thought they'd have. Mm. DeMarcus Cousins has been uh, statistically just a, a monster, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by this. I mean, he's got crazy talent. I guess I sort of... I would have leaned towards that that team kind of destructing and things getting bad, uh, and that hasn't happened yet. 
So I guess I, <laughs> I was... The fact that DeMarcus Cousins, like, hasn't erupted. Right, right. Oh, uh, here's one. Um, I mean, Josh Jackson's been a lot worse than I would have thought. And, you know, with a guy like Ingram, I think you can... I mean, you got to be patient with all these guys, especially, like, the high-pedigree guys. Uh, but Ingram was young for his class. Jackson was old for his class. I think you... You kind of want to see something a bit sooner from from a guy that was Jackson's age, and you know maybe it's just the the players he's playing with or the coaching system. I mean, it sometimes these things just take a while. But he's been he's been so much uh, more inefficient than I thought he'd be. Yeah, he. I, I do part. I, part of this is the Suns. I think. I mean, his coach was fired three games into the year, and he, he the day his coach was fired, he was moved to the bench, and I. Th- I don't know. I mean, I think he's a guy that I'd be. Would, I'd still be buying like if his stock is like low. It is. I'll low. buy all the Josh Jackson stock okay. still. Like I still think he's going to be good. I just I thought he was going to be pretty good from day one. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, he had like twenty two the other night. I think when he's given the opportunity, he could be good. I like. I would. He's somebody I would like to see just play for the Bulls. You know, like yeah. play thirty minutes and be like the second or third option. Like right now, he's on a lot of. T- a lot of possessions. He's like their fourth option. Do you want to say you were wrong about Larry Markkinen? Yeah, you know, you're about you were. He's about as good as he thought he'd be. No, he's been better. <laughs> he's he's been terrible the last few games. I will note. Um, <laughs> but no, he's been much better. And it, specifically rebounding. Like the one thing that I was yeah. really worried about was he wouldn't rebound. And he's been like he's been not even an average rebounder. He's been a really mm. good rebounder. So, yeah, I mean that for sure. I mean, where I want to go back to Josh Jackson because like, we haven't really talked about him at all in, in terms of how much we talked about him before the draft. Like Paul George, as a as a rookie, averaged like eight points, shot under thirty percent from three. You know, showed flashes <coughs> here and there, but I, I'm not saying Josh Jackson is going to be Paul George, but I would not be worried about him really at all yet. If anything, it would it's it's just worried about the situation that he's in, kind of poisoning his development. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's shooting 52% from the line, which... A lot of bad free-throw shooting rookies this year. I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how he's that and He's been okay at, for at three, free-throw right? shooting. Uh, not really. He's <laughs> shooting 24% from three. That, um, that can't be right. That's got to be a typo. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what's kind of confusing me is that he's just been so inefficient at scoring across the board. Like, I... I didn't think he was going to come in and shoot like 47% from the field, but I thought he'd be getting a lot of dunks, a lot of stuff in the lane, uh, you know, maybe a 42% field goal percentage with, you know, 25% from three, 60% from the line. I mean, he's, he's far off on, on a couple of those. So I, that's what's sort of surprising to me. I, I, I'm with you. I still think he's going to be good. Um, but I like I thought Jackson was going to have a better statistical season than Jason Tatum, and that's mm-hmm. obviously uh, not not even close. He was somebody that about six games in, I I talked with one of our coworkers, and we decided to like basically had to slice his projection in half for the year because we were way too high on him. Uh, through the first ten games, Josh Jackson was shooting thirty seven percent from three on three attempts per game. Since then. Uh, Hasn't been quite so good. He missed like 14 threes in a row, and he's shooting 10% from three over the last 13 games. So, tale of two halves, I guess, so far for him. Do you have anything else? We can start talking college stuff. Uh, I think I was right about everything else. Yeah, I think you were too. (laughs) 
So we'll talk. I want to hit on Michael Porter because we haven't really talked about this yet since the news came out about what a week and a half ago. He's done for the year. It sounds like. Um, although he he did tweet like a or Instagram something fairly cryptic last week, implying that the you know, missing the whole season timetable was inaccurate. So we'll see. Have you ever uh, posted a cryptic Instagram or or Twitter message? Mm, one that not could be, about one my that personal could be, health. One that could be open no. for interpretation. No, <laughs> no. Well, maybe not. No, not in this regard. Uh, but either way, I mean, he's going to miss, it seems like, 90% of the year at, at best. And if we were to assume he misses the entire year, does that really affect his draft stock that much? I'm of the belief that it might not, as long as he well, proves that he's healthy by I, May. I'm of the belief that it allows people to pass him. Like, I don't think he, I don't think any NBA team is going to have a lower grade on him, like, doesn't hurt after him, but he the can't injury. help himself. Right. Like I, I think like Marvin Bagley's obviously helped himself. DeAndre Ayton's obviously helped himself. Uh Colin Sexton's helped Ethan himself. Half, right. Uh, yeah. Like those guys are helping themselves while he's just kind of not doing anything. So I mean, I at this point I think uh Doncic, Bagley and Ayton are a pretty clear top three for the draft. And I think Porter could go four. I, he could even squeeze into that top three, but I think the odds are now that he does not go top three, mm-hmm. whereas before the season, I think everyone would have assumed he would have gone top three. And there's always that possibility that he could have played at Missouri and played his way out of the top five. But mm-hmm. I also don't think that there was much no. of a risk for that. You know, I, I think there was honestly more of a risk for someone like Aiton or yeah. even Bamba. Yeah. You know, so I I kind of have it to me, like I think the top three is kind of the top three until further yes. notice, and then I think. Bamba, Porter, Sexton is the next three, and I I think right. there's a drop off after those three as well. Yeah, like, Miles Bridges hasn't been all that good. His ankle's been an issue. We'll see. I mean, he could his 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 floor is still pretty high. I mean, especially in a draft like this. But yeah, Colin Sexton, you you went out of your way to tell me we need to talk about Colin Sexton, which I very much appreciate. That rarely happens. Uh, what what are the initial thoughts on him? I guess he kind of rose to prominence in that three on five game over Thanksgiving. Yeah, they scheduled a three on five game yep. with the Gophers, uh, <laughs> held their own. <laughs> um, so I just, I love how aggressive and competitive he is. Like, that's, I love it when college players who are like no doubt lottery picks still go to college and just like, like, you know, play with 100% intensity at all times. Like, he's, he's balling like really hard right now. I mean, the shot, it doesn't look, like he doesn't look like a, a marksman, but I mean it goes in a decent amount. Um, he's amazing at just getting to the rack. On like nobody in college can stay in front of him. He's excellent at finishing for a guy mm-hmm. that's six two. He's, uh, I mean, he has all the traits, you know, speed, uh, length that you would look for in a really good uh, defender at, at point guard. I think Fox is the lazy comparison, partially due to the hair and the fact they both play in the SEC. I think, but it's not that far off. I mean, I think. Fox is probably the better athlete, but like I almost think Sexton plays at even a higher yes. degree of like intensity than Fox yes. ever did. And like it's it's just you know, I mean, Darren Fox was never gonna score you forty points in a game. Mm-hmm. Um I mean part of that is you're playing for Kentucky of Malik Monk next to you, but I mean he just was never gonna do that on any team. Whereas Sexton's just I mean, he's kinda kinda nuts and, and in a draft that's so 
loaded with big men and, and wings, you know, I think the fact that he's clearly the next best guard after Doncic kind of gives him a, you know, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he went fourth overall just because teams need guards. Like, I mean, like it's a, it's a point guard kind of driven league at this point. And if some team thinks he's special, I, I could see that kind of giving mm-hmm. him an edge over a guy like Bomba or Porter. Yeah, I watched over the summer a decent amount of Sexton highlights just, you know, to prepare for the year. And, like, every video that you watch of him, it's, you know, it's not titled Colin Sexton, you know, top five recruit. It's like Colin Sexton goes at Penny Hardaway. <laughs> Colin Sexton scraps with who's the point guard for uh, for Duke? Um, uh, Duvall. Yeah. Like, every single video is, like, him, whoever the point guard on the other team is, just, like, bullying him the um, entire game. And like, you love that, right? So what, teams love that. What was the – okay, uh – I was watching uh, the highlights from that that game against the Gophers, and um, it wasn't. Man, okay, I got a full. Let's see. Okay, keep keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. It was a great. I want I want to give Frankie Vision uh, a shout out because no, this will be well. Oh, worth it. okay. So you know how you'll like a lot of these will say like beast mode like mm-hmm. hit, this one was all caps bull mode <laughs> <laughs> that's a new term that frankie vision had to had to create just for like he was in beast mode he was bull mode, He's in bull in, mode. This, in this game <laughs> you haven't seen bull mode since the, the heyday of tractor trailer yeah. i mean is is like damian lillard somewhat of a comp for him a little bit of a smaller guard who can score you know, I don't I mean, mind. I mean, I don't he's mind probably that. A little more physical. I don't mind that from a athleticism and speed standpoint. Because yeah. Um, yeah, he's not a top tier athlete, but he's certainly not a bad athlete. By right. Any means. Yeah. I mean, he's a, an above average athlete. He's that body size is very similar to Lillard. Uh, he's probably faster with mm-hmm. the ball. Um, I mean, he's also going to be three years younger than Lillard when he comes out. Right. And that it's. I mean, I don't. I don't know. It's just hard to. I guess I haven't seen him do much as a distributor but i mean should he be on that team i don't know uh Who knows? it's he's just really i mean he's gonna probably be a score first guy i think we can say that pretty certain uh but i mean which point guards in the league aren't score first guys at this point yeah well i'm looking <laughs> at the bottom seven or eight teams and it's like what unless memphis or charlotte you know were to trade conley or kemba you wouldn't really take him Phoenix, maybe and the Bulls could use them. Bulls would be interesting. Well, they have Chris Dunn, so <laughs> all right. Nope, they're good. They're right, all set. Right, right, right. right. Hawks. Uh, well, they got they got Schroeder, so yeah, they're, they're set. Brooklyn um. has a lot of <laughs> Brooklyn's got Isaiah Whitehead, so they're right. good. Um, yeah, Sacramento's got Frank Mason. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, maybe maybe he won't be a lottery pick. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he's been good. Uh, I'm glad we talked about him. Marvin Bagley. I still, I mean, I'm extremely impressed with Marvin Bagley, especially at that PK80 tournament. Um, I still just struggle to find a comparison for him. Like, I really you cannot need, think. You need comps. You're, I do. and You need comps to get through your day. I sure do. And <laughs> I cannot think of anyone who who's played like him. It's a really, it's bizarre because he's not, he's not the, like, defender that Anthony Davis was. And he's not the no. ball handler shooter that Durant was. No. But I also don't think it's fair to say he's half Durant, half Davis, because I mean, that's that would be, you know, putting him too high. I think there's like a little Giannis there, just in, sure. in the his footwork is Giannis like around the rim, yeah. Sure, and like his his ability, like the way he can use his length to kind of he doesn't even have to get by a guy; he just kind of reaches around a guy and mm-hmm. finishes. Uh, Being able to euro step 
at that height is impressive the mm-hmm. way he does. Um, so I don't, I know like everyone's talking about Marvin Bagley. Like he's by far like the big, you know, of this college season. If you're into the NBA, like the one guy you're talking about is Bagley. Uh, I do want to point out that a lot of the stuff he's doing, it's not going to come close to that easy against NBA players, like and, and NBA defenses specifically. Like there's, there's no college player that can check him one-on-one when he gets close to the hoop. Mm-hmm. And, college defenses just aren't programmed to double a guy like that uh, the way NBA teams are. Like, NBA teams are going to put a guy in front, put a guy in back. He's not – he's just not going to get the same kind of looks in the half court that he's getting right now at Duke because you can't – it's just so hard to post up today. Uh, Well, I'm surprised how much they're posting him up, too. You watched that that game against Indiana last night. Every single possession, it was him just running to the block and posting up. And that's another thing. Like, I mean, that was that's just the way you do it in college when you have a guy like that because they can't be stopped. But in the NBA, he'll be out on the perimeter a lot more. Um, I just I think there's stuff he's doing right now that just isn't going to translate. I still think he's clearly a top two prospect in this in this class i just think that Mm -hmm. if you expect him to go to the nba and just start doing all the stuff he's doing right now it's just not gonna work that way so he's gonna have to you know he's gonna have to be able to stretch the floor a little bit he's gonna have to be an impact defender i think i mean it's just like how much all the grief carl towns gets for his defense like Bagley will get the same if he's not putting it to use so i mean there's there's some stuff that it's just not going to look the way it looks right now when he gets to the NBA, but, I mean, he's he's obviously awesome. Towns is an interesting comparison. Not, I don't think style-wise they're <laughs> quite the same, but I remember watching Towns at Kentucky, and it was a lot of the same, like run to the block. He was very limited offensively, and then basically right away with Minnesota, he's stepping out, he's driving a lot more, he was dribbling the ball, like things that he was never allowed to do at Kentucky, and I think I think Bagley's going to be the same way. You know, whenever when he lands in the NBA, we're going to – yeah, a lot of the stuff he's doing now is not going to work. He's not just going to be able right. to spin around guys. And, like, basically all he does is spin around, jump so high, he just jumps over everybody and almost right. finger rolls it in from, like, one foot away. That's not going to work. But he's also going to be able to do more. And he'll have more room to work yes. with because you'll have the NBA three-point line. It'll There'll be a lot more space for mm-hmm. him to and, – and if you put, you know, if you put a six, seven guy on him, like, he's just going to eat him. He does need to gain weight. Eat him up. And then, like, if you put a bigger guy on him, he'll go around him. Like, kind of the same issues Giannis poses. So I think a lot of NBA defenses are just going to really test his jumper uh, Mm -hmm. initially. I mean, how sure are you right now that he's going to be a really good NBA player? Oh, I think that's, I think it's like 100%. I mean, I think he's going to be, he's going to make all star teams. My one concern is I just don't know, like, what. Is he a guy that you could give the ball like the Lakers did last night to Brandon Ingram and just say go one on one and get us a shot? Like I don't know that he has that. I think he will be fluidity. I mean, quite you, yet. <coughs> he he will be. I th- I think he's going to be a guy that averages you know twenty four, twenty five, twenty six points a game in his prime. Like twenty seven, twenty eight. Might even order. Might even average twenty nine. I mean, it's <laughs> it's where, uh, where's it at? Like he he's. I just don't see any way that with his physical gifts and how guys aren't this good. Mm-hmm. this early their first year of college and then all of a sudden like hit some kind of a wall like it's it's just not I, i've never seen that happen before i'd be pretty shocked if he wasn't uh at least a number two option on a really good team probably a number one option okay is anything going on in the world of <coughs> rap music 
early two <laughs> early two thousands rap music. I saw so Fabulous <laughs> and Jadakiss yeah. release an album together. I'm going to I'm gonna go see Jay Z live on uh, Tuesday. Oh, is he coming to Madison? Uh, sh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, get a call center. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought a Lion Energy Center. <laughs> no, where is that at? Uh, the United Center, Chicago. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing how that went. Uh, I was a little disappointed, as I told you, with the Grammy (laughs) nominations for the 25th year in a row. I was a little disappointed that you allowed those nominations to make you disappointed. Uh, See, the Grammy, whoever is in charge of these (laughs) Grammy nominations. (laughs) Are they just, have they just been trolling you since day one? It sure seems like it. I'm yet to see any evidence that they're not. The the Grammy (laughs) committee and I have never really seen eye to eye. I mean, I think that goes without saying. I think the first thing you have to do is just understand you're never going to like their nominations and then just kind of. Accept that and move on. Best rap album. One of the (laughs) options is Layla's Wisdom by Rhapsody. Who is that? (laughs) Who who in the hell is that? Uh, Two Chains released an album this year. (laughs) Two Chains. You ever heard of him, Grammys? Yeah, zero Grammy nominations. (laughs) He did win one last year, though, for being on that Chance the Rapper. Has Young Thug ever gotten a Grammy now? Absolutely not. I I read the other day that... Big Sean's nominated? Oh, yeah. It's it's these... And I like Big Sean, so that's fine, but... But still, bounce back. Like, come on, whose whose favorite song off that album was "Bounce Back"? Well, you're never. That's never going to make you happy. Like, they're they're never going to pick the right song off. Like, for them to even have the right album, yeah. is, is an accomplishment. But they're not going to pick. The I right also song. need some clarity. I don't know if you'll be able to provide this. Somebody, please provide it. What is the difference between record of the year and song of the year? Jay Z is nominated for both of those with two different songs. Uh. Record of the year, song of the year, I believe is uh, has has a has a one of them is like you're oh, you're sure. rewarding the the written component of the song, and the other one is just like the finished product. Okay, maybe. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense because if you look at the song of the year nominations, they list all the writers. Right. Uh, am I the only one in this room who is not? A, I I don't like Childish Gambino. Is that is that a controversial statement? Not to me, no. Um, <laughs> Childish Gambino was one of those guys that my freshman and sophomore year of college, everybody loved, mm-hmm. you know, because he had a couple cool songs and he was on Community. And now he's kind of reached like this higher level of like, if you don't like him, you like don't have good taste, you know. It's like, oh, you, you just don't, you just don't understand rap music. Like, I didn't like his album at all. No, I, at all. I mean. To be fair, I didn't listen to any of it, but I know, <laughs> I, know I know I wouldn't have liked I know it. That I, I know that I would not have liked it. Um, I loved uh, Kendrick Lamar's album. I was glad that that still haven't gotten got around some, that one. I mean, it's an amazing album. Uh, I don't like "Humble" the song, um, but I like all the other songs on Did the, the album. ESPN like playoffs intro. Just beat that out of you. I mean, I'm not sure if that's what beat it out of me or just. It's just very repetitive and kind of in your mm-hmm. face. Uh, I mean, it seemed like something that Eminem would like to put a few bars down on. So I, it kind of struck me as like a slim thug beat. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I've I haven't gotten mad about the Grammys in a long time, so this is fun. Yeah. This takes me back. Yeah, when's the last time you were, you were really <laughs> upset about the Grammys? Uh, are you a Tyler the Creator fan at all? Mm, no, not really. I used to be a pretty big fan of his, and I, I, he's another one of those guys, kind of like Gambino, where it's like the music is getting more and more like bizarre, and yet mm-hmm. somehow it's it, like people like him more. Mm-hmm. And I don't, maybe I just don't have, maybe I don't have the ears <laughs> for it. But so, like, are you, 
are your friends are are you constantly like at parties where people are playing stuff and you're just like oh man you guys like no so you who are these people that love like childish Gambino I'm basing this off of Twitter basically okay okay you know where when these were announced last week you know everybody's like oh I'm so glad to see (laughs) Gambino get nominated (laughs) who was listening to this was that a quick block. (laughs) <laughs> I actually am. Pr- I'm not very liberal with, with the block button. I don't think I blocked anyone ever, ever. Which speaks to like how bland I guess I am. Like I'm not tweeting anything controversial. I like enough. to block people I really don't like, like who have no idea who I am. Um, like who's that? Who's that girl that used to work at ESPN and oh now is like a political? Oh, Britt McHenry. Yeah, I blocked her just just for kicks. You know, I mean, she's never going to notice that I blocked her, but I, I she, I'm sure she noticed. I enjoyed the process of blocking her. She's going to miss <laughs> all your like learning about all those baseball prospects. <laughs> she's big. She's really into prospects. So. <laughs> oh, so for your for this week's explain, explain X topic to okay. me. I don't have any rap ones right now. But what's the deal with this this Japanese? Is it Japanese prospect who's coming over? Oh, is yeah. this like the biggest thing since Daisuke? <laughs> uh, Shohei Otani is a Japanese pitcher who is he would be the biggest Japanese prospect to ever come over if he was just a pitcher because he's that good of a pitcher. But he also wants to play as a designated hitter or outfielder on the days he's not pitching because he's the best hitter in Japan and is also he would be one of the fastest players, one of the fastest position players in the big leagues if he came over right now. So uh, it's just really kind of I mean, he's kind of turned into Bigfoot. Like there's just all these tales about like he can do this, he can do that. Like everyone's just really excited to kind of see if he lives up to the hype. I mean, the hype's pretty enormous. Um, I mean, he's he's more hyped in like the baseball world than any NBA prospect has been since LeBron James, probably. Really? Yeah. Okay. That was a really good job of contextualizing it. I didn't. So he, are, is there a team out there? He's a free agent, right? Like this is just like any other international free agent, like right? He, highest bidder. Type well, of thing? so no, it's not like no? that. Okay. So, uh, because he's coming over now and he's 23, he can only get uh, a few million. And if he'd waited another year, he would have been able to get around like 200, 250 million. Uh, kind of a confusing decision yeah. by him. Um, he really wanted to come over. He's not motivated by money, and that is what is he motivated by? I don't know. He likes. He wants to be really good at baseball. Um, Same here. But but yeah, he's. It is. It's a free agent process, but he won't. There won't be a highest bidder because every team can only offer him the same. So he's going to go somewhere based on. Uh, other factors so this is like a college recruiting situation yes, so who are the who are like the two or three favorites right now uh the yankees are probably the favorite because they're an american league team that has the dh and they're on a coast i would also throw uh the rangers the mariners the dodgers in there as, as other ones but so the uh, brewers probably not <laughs> well okay so there was his agent had this list or it this kind of thing you had to fill out um and answer like these eight questions and give give to him and so like the brewers filled one of those out like every team filled one of those out like um that's that's like the university of akron offering lebron it's, a scholarship. it's like it's like yeah yeah it's exactly exactly like that um so yeah they they're They've let him know that they would be interested in, in, <laughs> in playing. I mean, I, basically, you want to avoid the situation where he says, I'm going to Milwaukee. And then they're like, oh, we never filled out the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so like, is the belief that 
a team or teams are going to let him do what he wants as far as like play the field. So when he's not part of the part of the recruitment process is you have to like I think a lot of teams would prefer him to only pitch um, just to hope that he doesn't get hurt while he's yeah. playing the field or whatever. And he's a good uh, enough pitcher that it would be worth it. He'd be, he's like, yeah, like he, he's, potential. he's going to be like one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball like immediately. Um, okay. And so part of the process of kind of courting him is promising him that you'll, you're going to let him do the other stuff that he wants to do in addition to pitching. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting creative. Cause I mean, nobody's ever done this before since like, I mean, decades and decades so like how um, are you gonna make Rick this <laughs> how are you gonna make this work like what when are you gonna let him play when he's on his days when he's not pitching like are you gonna still make him pitch every fifth day or will you let him mm. pitch like once a week like i mean there's man what if he just like comes out and is terrible at hitting uh, yeah, at some point i guess you just gotta be like hey i mean we're not putting you out there unless you're hitting 250 right so you yeah i mean that's that's That'd be a tough conversation to have, but um, probably because of the language barrier. <laughs> you have to just do a lot of pointing, <laughs> gesturing. <laughs> you are not hitting today. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that was good. I feel like I know 10 times more about the situation than I did about five minutes ago, and I was wondering. So when is he going to make this decision? Uh, when signing day? Presumably in about the middle of December. Okay. Um, I mean, he could wait. Longer than that, but I would I would guess he's going to want to get this out of the way. All right. Well, I'll be counting down the days. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us. We'll be back next week. Uh, again, FanDuel.com slash RW. That's where you can uh, get that free six months to Rotowire. You can read James's writing about prospects, including this Otani guy. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.